you, and uh, she just needs a touch of God. How many of you need an answer tonight, something that God needs to do for you? Put your hands up all over this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray the prayer of faith, and we believe, God, that you're going to heal, you're going to comfort, you're going to touch those that need a touch right now. Let the glory of the Lord come down. Let the presence and the power of God be upon this church. Let every hand that's raised that represents a need, God, would you go to wherever that's at and take care of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray it today and we believe it today. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I hope you're ready to have good Bible study tonight. My. Now, we didn't get to have our Bible study last weekend, or excuse me, last Friday, Wednesday night because of, of uh, graduation service. But let me just quickly, quickly run back over our last lesson. We've been doing Search for Truth now for several weeks. We'll be beginning on, on Lesson 8 tonight. It's, uh, it's going to be uh, one of my favorites, and a lot of it will be things that you know, but things that we need to make sure we know. So last lesson, lesson seven, we talked, the last few things that we talked about was Jesus upon the cross when he said it is finished, and uh, we talked about the gospel being the good news, and we talked about the dawning of a new day where the old covenant of the Old Testament was passed away. There's the, uh, the last chart of the last lesson. We talked about the birth the crucifixion, the ascension of Jesus, where we went from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And then, of course, we believe that in the middle, in that circle, that he was Father in creation, Son in redemption, and Holy Spirit in recreation. Amen. Or regeneration is what I like to say. But uh, we believe there's only one God, and his name is Jesus. And everybody said amen. Tonight will be very simple. It will be very simple to many of you that have been around the church for a long time, but it will help it will help solidify some things in our mind. I love I love what we're doing here with Search for Truth. I had someone tell me on the phone today that I love those lessons because it's even though we've heard it before, it's refreshing to renew the things that we've heard before. And uh, repetition is often Learning. So if you'll go to Lesson 8, Chart 1, Brother Jeff, and pull that up, we will start right there. We'll talk, first of all, about the infallible proofs after the resurrection of the Lord. You'll see that up on the top left corner. The infallible proofs. First of all, we know that there were two men that were walking on the road to Emmaus, and uh, suddenly they are joined by someone whom they do not know who it is. And uh, as they began to talk and they went on the way, the two men uh, on the road to Emmaus invited this figure, this, this person who was Jesus Christ to dine with them. And when they sat down and uh, when they realized who he was, suddenly he had gone and was disappeared. They did not recognize him as they talked with him going down the road. But let me just tell you, it was an infallible proof. They hurried to tell the disciples, but the Lord had already, already talked to Simon Peter that afternoon. He had already made himself known. And of course, there are many times or several times that the Lord 
showed up in the 40 days or so after the resurrection. He showed up. He showed up to his disciples and he said, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. He showed up to Thomas, who was a doubter, and, and showed him the nail prints in his hands and in his feet and, and asked him to believe. And, of course, we call him Doubting Thomas. But the Lord had infallible proofs of his resurrection in the 40 days or so that followed after. Now we're going to talk about the last command of Jesus because, and this is where the lesson tonight will get very interesting, and I will, I will be honest with you. I don't know if I can get through this lesson or not. This may be one of those two Wednesday night deals because there's so much, there's so much to cover here. Before the ascension of Jesus Christ, he appeared to more than 500 believers. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. He appeared to them, and, uh, and of course, he gave instructions when he left uh, this, this earth, and he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. It was, uh, it was a command that he gave, and he, he gave it several times uh, in the Scriptures, in Luke. Let me, let me just read a little bit to you and what he said in his last commands to the people that stood around him. There are four Gospels that gave an account of what he said. All of them may vary just a little bit, but this is what he said in Luke 24 to his disciples. He said unto them, Thus it is written... And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise the, from the dead the third day. And that repentance, everybody say repentance. Come on, say it with me. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. So that is Luke's recording of what the Lord said to his disciples when he left. He was commissioning them. you got to go preach repentance and remission. And you got to preach it to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Mark added, believing the gospel and water baptism. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, this is what he said. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Here's what's going to happen to the believer. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's what Mark had to, uh, was recording of Jesus saying before he was ascended. Matthew stressed water baptism, and this is what he said, and we call Matthew 28 and 19 or 18 through 20 the Great Commission. Well, I think all of the commissions of the Lord are great commissions, but we have termed this one as the Great Commission because this is what he said to his disciples. 
he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So we have Luke's recording, we have Mark's recording, we have Matthew's recording. The book of Acts, written by Luke, explains what is promised to those who repent and those who believe and those who are baptized with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said in Acts chapter 1, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but he, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and all Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. So we see how each, each recording may have been just a little different. But here's the bottom line. Jesus said, go, go wait on the promise of the Father. It was given by the words of the Lord for us to repent and to receive remission of sins and to be baptized and to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then you go to the Mount of Olive Ascension or Olivet Ascension. And if this, is, this is where Jesus was standing when he said, Terry, you got to go Terry, you got to go wait. He gave them divine instruction. He told them to go to Jerusalem. And from Mount Olivet to Jerusalem with a Sabbath day's journey are three fourths of a mile. And they went there. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, the, Peter reminded Judas or, that Judas must re, be replaced because he had betrayed the Lord, and so they cast lots, and it fell upon Matthias, and he filled that vacant position. And all, the Bible said in, in, in Acts 1.14, all continued with one accord and in supplication. The next chart, please. About about Pentecost and about the fulfillment of the promise, I want you to see what is about to happen because the Bible said a new day came, a new era came, a new covenant came. The, the word Pentecost literally means this, 50. Everybody say 50. As a matter of fact, this coming Sunday, June the 5th, is Pentecost Sunday. It is 50 days after the resurrection. So 50 is what Pentecost means. The Bible, the Bible gives us a very vivid uh, description of what happened in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts 2-4. John, John made the prophecy, John the Baptist, when he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but there's one coming after me who's the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost in fire. So here's what happened. 
all of these commissions, all of these instructions came to fruition in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Aren't you glad we are a Bible-believing church that still believes in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Amen. 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 So, so this is, is where they were all receiving the promise in Acts chapter 2. What were the disciples saying? Nobody could understand. What were they speaking? Those Galileans and those that were around? The Bible said that at Pentecost, they heard them speak in their own language. There was an experience that came to them. Let me give you a little Old Testament prophecy. This is what this chart is all about. Joel said it, and he said it right. He said, it shall come to pass in the last days or afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Joel prophesied about Acts chapter 2. How do I know this? Because Simon Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and he quoted the book of Joel. So we understand that this was the fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah prophesied it this way. He said, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips, notice this, and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Isaiah said, with stammering lips and another tongue. You read the prophet Ezekiel of the Old Testament. He said, I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. All of this, all of this is a prophecy of Acts chapter 2 and what was coming to the beginning of the church. 97% of the church world believes that the church actually began in Acts chapter 2. I believe the church began in Acts chapter 2. Do you believe that? This is where people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Jeremiah said it this way, and I'm taking time to read these scriptures because we need to hear them. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. More recently, John the Baptist had predicted, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me 
He said, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So what happened is the sixth dispensation. We've been talking about dispensation since we started our Bible study. A dispensation is a period of time that God deals with mankind in a certain way. Dispensation of innocence was in the beginning. Dispensation of conscience. Dispensation of judgment. Today, we're living still in the sixth dispensation. Up until that dispensation, it was the dispensation of law. So now we are living in the dispensation of grace. Does anybody understand what grace is? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. We don't earn it. I said we don't earn it, but we receive it. Aren't you glad for the grace of God today? We're living under that dispensation. <clears throat> There's one more dispensation that is coming, and in my opinion, it's coming very soon, and we'll study that in the next week or two to come. So when Peter, when Peter uh, spoke to them in Acts chapter 2, the Bible talked about the confused spectators and said, what meaneth this? And uh, it was Simon Peter. I've talked about this over and over, and I've already talked about it in one of our lessons. He had the keys to the kingdom. He would, God gave them to him in Matthew 16. He, he literally preached the sermon at Pentecost. When they said, what meaneth this? He said, these are not drunk with new wine. They're not drunk like you think they are. That's what he said. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he proceeded to preach Christ and him crucified. And when he had preached Christ and him crucified, the scriptures tell us that they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted. And they said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, men and brethren, what must we do? Simon Peter Preach to them, repent, be baptized every one of you, Acts 2.38, our core scripture, what we stand on, what we believe on. The Bible said, he said, repent. Everybody say repent. He said, be baptized, not some of you. He said, every one of you, everybody needs to be baptized. I want, to, I want that to sink in. This is not something you can do if you want to. This is a commandment of the Lord. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he said, for the promise, what promise? The promise Jesus gave. The promise John the Baptist gave. The promise Joel gave. The promise Isaiah gave and Ezekiel and Jeremiah for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Let me tell you about the gospel. It is an inclusive gospel. Everybody, everybody, the rich man, the poor man, every creed, every nation, every color, everybody has a right to find Jesus through the power of the Spirit of God. Do you believe that today? Aren't you glad that, that that scripture's there? It's the promise that is for all of us today, even those who are afar off. And so today 
we enter into this sixth dispensation of grace knowing that the Holy Ghost is for everybody. Next chart, please. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Amen. I want you to, I want you to notice here. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his, nation, uh, in his name among all nations. That's Luke 24, 47. How do you repent? You know, we studied a long time on repentance here a few weeks ago. How do you repent? Repentance is not just a mental ascent. I want you to hear me right now. You choose to turn from the actions that you have done that led you to death and led you to trouble and led you to sin. You choose to turn around. It's not just words. It's action. Listen to me. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, 15. I want to examine something and show you here. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the kingdom is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Here's what he said. Repent ye and believe the gospel. You've got to repent before you do anything else. God has to convict you. Now, we're going to talk salvation here for a little while. This is, this is one of my favorite lessons. When I got to studying it again, and I've taught Search for Truth many times, but this is one of my favorite. When you come to Jesus, the Bible said, first of all, that no man can come unless the Spirit of the Father draw him. I can't say words to bring you to Jesus, but the anointed preaching of the Word of the Lord can convict your mind, your heart. And when you feel the Spirit drawing you, then you need to repent. You have to believe and you have to repent. So so here in Acts chapter 20, let me show you what was said in Acts chapter 20, verse 20 through 21. Paul, upon his completing his Asian missionary journey, he recounted the elders to the elders at Ephesus the most important message he had preached. That's what he said. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you cannot come to God until you repent. You got to want to. You got to be you got to be tired of your old way of living. You got to be tired of the path you've been traveling. You got to be tired of the things you've been doing. Is anybody with me? You just have to say, "Lord, I'm sorry." Repentance is a very easy thing, but your heart has to be. How do you repent? Uh, you, you repentance and remission of sins is going to be preached. So, how do I repent? You repent by turning around. It's a 180. If you're walking this way, you turn around and walk this way. If you're doing things that you know are wrong, you quit them and you reverse that lifestyle. You tell God, I'm sorry, and you ask God to forgive you. But it's, it's more than that. There's something that has to be done on your part. You can't say, Lord, forgive me, and just keep doing the things that you're doing and, be, and have a repentant heart. 
You have to want to change your lifestyle. You know, Hollywood's the greatest at this. They all get Jesus now, but they never quit living the way they're living. Hello? When you get Jesus, you won't, you won't keep living the lifestyle you've been living. I, I, uh, let, me, let me tell you a story, the true story. Many years ago, not in this church, the other church I pastored down in central Louisiana, a man came to God. He was on his way home from work, and he, he, he said, Pastor, I don't know what it was. He'd never, never been to pray, never been to the altar, but he showed up. And he said, I was on my way home from work. And he said, I looked in the sky and I saw a light. And, and the Lord told me to go to that light. And that light led me right to this church. It was over this church. And, and he came in. And I preached not knowing all of that. He came to God. He repented of his sins. God baptized him with his spirit. Thank the Lord for that. But I knew that he was living with someone that he shouldn't have been living with. I didn't tell him what to do, but he came to me, and he said, Pastor, I want to get my, my, my life straight. I'm not married, and you know I'm not married. I, I moved down here from up north. I don't have one soul anywhere I can go to. I got to get my life straight. He said, I'm going to give you my word today. He said, I'm going to move to the back of the house, and she can have the front of the house. I'm just telling you, Pastor, I'm getting my life straight. Until I can get all things in order, I don't have anywhere to go, but I'm, I'm repenting of my sin. Let me tell you something. You can say, well, you know, and, and you know what? You can say what you want to, but that man lived that way till he got his house in order. He married the woman. He's still in the church today, and he texts me every once in a while thanking me for having mercy on him and for helping him to find the way in. If you re really repent, you'll change things in your life. You'll walk away from some things, and you'll do some things right in your life. Anybody believe that? I know some of you are unbelievers. I feel your spirit. Amen. But it's the facts. So we bow and we confess. Here's what the Bible said. If we confess our sin, I want you to say this with me. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know who the fastest forgiver is? It's not you. And it's not me, it's God. We, we have horrible traits as, as people sometimes because God forgives and moves on. And we say we forgive, but we don't move on. I might as well just stay here and preach a little bit here tonight. I'll get away from the notes for just a minute because here's, here's what we have to understand. If God forgives, it ain't none of our business. Amen? You don't know what happens between a man and his God in the darkness of the night, in the corner of his bedroom, driving on the road in his car. And let me tell you about God. I've heard people say, well, I don't believe in deathbed repentance. I do. I certainly do. 
Hezekiah was laying on his deathbed when he repented and he said, Lord, look what I have done. Would you spare me? And the Lord gave him 15 more years added on to his life. I believe that God will hear you anytime, anywhere when you truly repent because the Bible said if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin. I just believe God still works that way. I still believe that. Amen. To confess means to put our thoughts into words. It means to say it. You can't just think it. You need to say it to God. Humbly ask the Lord to, to forgive you and to heal your spirit and to save you. There's not a day that goes by. I don't know if you believe this or not. There's not a day that goes by that I don't say, Lord, forgive me. Look into the heart. Let me see myself as you see me. Wash me with your blood. If there's anything there that is unlike you, take it out. And plenty arises in my heart that is not like God. I'll be the first to tell you that. But I also know that there's power in the cleansing blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus can wash you and cleanse you and make you whole. And it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've said, how deep your sin is. If you're truly sorry, God will truly forgive you. Anybody believe me? Our, our relationship with God will never be right until we truly repent. And it will also never be right until we truly forgive others. I, this, this is not in my notes. This is not nowhere on your chart, but I'm going to say a couple of things here right now. You can't get forgiveness of sin until you forgive other people. If you bring your gift to the altar and remember that you have or that your brother have ought against you, leave your gift. Go be reconciled unto your brother. You have to, you have to be willing to forgive people. Your relationship this way is not worth 15 cents if your relationship this way is no good. Your relationship this way. Or let me put it this way, your relationship vertically, that means you and God is predicated upon you and man. How can you love God whom you have not seen if you can't love your brother whom you have seen? Has it dawned on you that all of us have problems? Has it dawned on you that we're all sinners saved by grace? Has it ever, you say, well, he's done so-and-so or she's done so-and-so. You, you better not point that finger. I preached this Sunday morning, and I'm going to say it again. Every time you do this, there's three pointing right back at you. And you may not have done the things that people see, but your spirit may be as filthy as a demon inside of you. That's good preaching whether you like it or not. That's good old word of the Lord right there. So be reconciled. Get it right. When you repent, God forgives you. But he forgives you predicated on how you forgive your, your brother because in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray like this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, Lord, watch this. Boy, I might need to say this for Sunday when everybody's in here. Lord, forgive me the way I forgive David Leach. Lord, forgive me the way I forgive David Boland. I better get off the Davids here. 
Just forgive me the way I forgive my brother. You better be sure you got it right. What must we believe? Here's what the Bible said. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth, talking about the gospel, is, and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not, talking about the gospel, shall be damned. Those two, two words, believe and save, or believe and baptize, shall be saved. Those two things. So why didn't Jesus say, he that believeth not and is not baptized? Here's why. Because if you don't believe, you're not going to be baptized. But if you do believe and truly believe, you will be baptized. And if you believe and you're baptized, the Scripture said, you shall be saved. Everybody said amen. So, so the saving gospel is repenting, believing, baptism, in that order. You've got to believe God before you're baptized. And then when you're baptized, the Bible said, and we're going to talk about baptism in this lesson, you go down an old man, you come up a new man. Because when you're baptized, you arise to walk in the newness of life. Everybody said amen. Here's what Paul said. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's the power to everyone that believeth. Not only do we acknowledge the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, but we also experience the gospel message. This is why we believe so strongly in the death, burial, and resurrection. Here's what Romans 6 and 4 said. Therefore, Paul was writing to the Romans, and he said this, We are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The only way to get into Christ, I got news for you today, is to be baptized into Christ. And if you go down in baptism without repentance, you've just wasted your time. Because repentance is where you get forgiveness, but baptism is where you get remission. It's a whole lot to study here. And so you believe, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip a lot of scriptures on what we must believe. But I want to tell you that to repent means that we choose to turn around. We, we, we surrender our self-will. We call on the name of the Lord. We confess and forsake our sin. We promise to love and to serve Jesus and believe the gospel of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's simple. That's as simple as I can put it. You believe God unto salvation. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11 and 6. You cannot please God without faith. And you must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So to be righteous, you have to have faith. To be saved, you have to have faith. And to believe unto salvation. I, there's no way I can read every scripture. I hope it's on your chart. I think that it is. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
not the works, lest any man should boast. That's not the way you get it. The Bible said, Paul said, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. You're saved not of merit. You're saved because you saw your, your, your depleted lifestyle. You saw your sinful heart. You saw your sinful ways. You believed God could change you. You repented of your sins. You had faith in God. You went down in the waters of baptism and when you rose out of that water God saved you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what happened to me and that's what happened to you. None of us are here by merit. Amen. So just through the chart, what must we believe? There it is. What begins when we, when we repent and believe, we turn from Satan's rule to the Lordship of Christ. Our sins are forgiven. Go to the next chart if you may. Amen. Water baptism. Everybody say water baptism. How many of you know water baptism is necessary? There's a lot of churches that preach water baptism is not necessary. I believe water baptism, water baptism is a circumcision of the heart of the New Testament, it's a sign of the circumcision of the heart. The old sign was circumcision of the flesh. You were not Abraham's kids if you did not have circumcision in the Old Testament. Everybody, the lineage of Abraham, you see the old bloody knife there. We're all grown-ups here. We understand that. But that was the sign of, of, of circumcision. That was a sign of being of the, of the lineage of Abraham. You were a child of Abraham. But in the New Testament, it's circumcision of the heart. It's the new sign. Why should we be baptized? Number one, it's a command. Repent and what? Everybody say be baptized. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. What does baptism do? It's for the remission of sins. It washes us from our sin. Everybody believe that? When you go down to the waters of baptism... There's nothing magical about the water, but that's where the blood of Jesus is applied to our life by the power of the name of Jesus. We'll get into that. It is, a, it is for a clear conscience, the Bible said, void of offense. Why should I be baptized in water? At repentance, the old man died. In water, we bury that old man, and he's buried. And this identifies us with Christ. I want, to, I want you to remember what I'm about to tell you. There is no way in the Scripture to get into Christ except to be baptized. In the New Testament, there's no way except to be baptized into Christ. No way. You can't get into Christ any other way. You can't get in His church any other way. You can't be a part of His body any other way. You are baptized into Christ. Amen? So, remission of sins and Repentance and baptism is where we put on Christ. I'm going to hurry because I, I got a lot to say and I don't have any idea that I'm even going to get close to finish. So go to the next chart if you will, Brother Jeff. We're going to talk about the covenant name. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now we have no problem with this scripture. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand and this is, this is something that I've been teaching here for years and some of you have, uh, have understood things that maybe you never understood before. But my dad taught this great. I studied this out. The covenant name. Watch this. 
Go and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. What is the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Is the name of the Father, Father? I'm asking you, just think about it. Is the name of the Son, Son? Is the name of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost? If you, if you study the Scriptures, and you'll see these Scriptures on there, and it's on your chart, you need to study it. I do a series every, every two or three years on the oneness of God, and that's where this is coming down to. But the name of the Father, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name, John 5, 43. The angel said to Mary, Thou shalt have a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. So the name of the Father, if the name of the Son's Jesus, the name of the Father's Jesus, because Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. The name of the Son is Jesus because we know that born in Bethlehem's manger was Jesus Christ, Lord of all. Amen? The name of the Holy Ghost, John 14, 26, Jesus said, The Holy Ghost whom the, comp whom the Father will send in my name. Here's, my, here's what I want you to understand. Father is not a name. If I said, Brother Father, would you stand? You're going to look around and say, Well, is he talking about me? If you're a father, he's going to say, well, who, Who's he talking about? If I say, Brother Son, I, I don't. I, this is very deep. Now I hope you catch this. Every male in here is a son. You may not all be fathers, but you're all a son. If you're of the male species, you are a son. If I said, "Brother, son, would you stand and testify?" Tell me what. Tell me who's going to get up. You don't know because we're all sons. I'm gonna. I'm gonna replace the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, I'm going to replace that with husband. I'm going to say, Brother Husband, would you stand? Now, all of you may not be husbands, but a lot of males in here are husbands. You see, proper names of identity is, is, is where we're going to go. The covenant name. Here's what, here's what Luke wrote in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Here's what I want you to understand. There are several incidents of baptism in the book of Acts, which we believe and you believe and we all believe is where the church began. Always and ever when they gave the formula of baptism in the book of Acts, let's just go there. Let's, let's just do this. Acts chapter 2. 3,000 believers baptized on the day of Pentecost. Somebody tell me how Peter told them what he told them to do. I've said it already in this lesson. Repent, be baptized, every one of you. How? The name of Jesus Christ. Why did Peter say that? Didn't he hear Jesus in Matthew 28, 19? Don't you know that Peter was there when Jesus said what he said? Oh, that's just semantics, preacher. Really? Well, there's over 48 baptisms in the world. So if that's semantics, all the rest of them are semantics. Why not do what the Bible said do? And here's what I, here's what I always tell people. My baptism is in the Scriptures, is yours. My baptism's in the Bible. So in Acts chapter 2, there were over 3,000 believers that received the Holy Ghost, and they were baptized. 
Now, watch this. In, in Acts chapter 8, in Samaria, let me, let, me just find these, uh, let me just find these scriptures right quick here. The Bible said in 8.16 of, of, of Acts, for as yet he was fallen on none of them, Samaritan believers only, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. How'd they baptize in Samaria? The preacher said, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I read it to you. They were baptized in the name of the Lord. And then Cornelius, the Gentiles, when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 10, the Bible said in Acts 10 that Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 2, the Jews received the, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul, passing through the upper coast of Ephesus, found the disciples of John, and he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we don't, we don't know anything about any Holy Ghost. He said, how then were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. And Paul said, John verily baptized, unto, saying unto the people, I now baptize you unto repentance. But Paul said, we got to get you guys rebaptized. Everybody still with me? Why did he rebaptize them? Because there's only one name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Now, you may not think that matters much, but let me tell you, baptism the right way is essential before God, and you need to get it right. I wouldn't do anything until I made sure my baptism was in the scriptures. So you see those four, those four blocks on the bottom. This is where the covenant name, the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible said in Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, baptism is a deed. How do I know that? Because John said, I indeed baptize you. I indeed. Baptism is a deed. Paul said, whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. You with me? Hallelujah. Paul also said, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized to his death. We were baptized into Jesus Christ. So, I, and, and there's many scriptures that we could go to here today. But Philippians 2 and 9 is one of my favorite, and this is what it says. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, not the name of Father, not the name of Son, not the name of Holy Ghost, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth, and that Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, so here's, here's the, the power of the name. Why Jesus? 
Because it's a name above every name. Why Jesus? Because in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus is every... Look, when you say Jesus, the Bible said demons tremble. When you say Jesus, there's things that happen in heaven and earth. It's the name that is highly exalted. It's more than just five letters. When you say Jesus, you get the healer. You get the savior. You get the redeemer. You get the lover of our soul. You get he who embodied God. God who left the ivory thrones of glory and came to dwelt among and dwelt among men. He took on a name called Jesus. Mary named him Jesus in that Bethlehem manger, but before Mary named him, God named him because the angel said, you're going to call him Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin. Amen? So that covenant name. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to stop because I, I, I got some, I got, if I get into the next part of this lesson, then, then we're going we're gonna to be bogged down and not going to get it all. We got five minutes. So let me, let me just review for a minute the New Testament church, the new covenant, Jesus Christ, who came to die, who, who was buried, who rose again, who made the promise of Pentecost, who sent his disciples back to Terry, who, who received the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, you ought to go do that because when the Holy Ghost fell, it changed everything. It changed all things. And people came to Jesus. The, the, the historians say that in the first church, before the first persecution, 87,000 people had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 87,000. Here's what I do know. Paul recorded that they said in Thessalonica, be careful because these are they which turn the world upside down. Revival spread, spread like, like a fire. It, it, it spread like coals in, in dry timber and it, it ignited and everywhere the disciples went, the apostles went, the power of God failed. People were healed. The book of Acts is full of people that got healed, people that got saved, people that got delivered. That's what this is all about. And what I'm talking about here, when we talk about repentance and baptism and the receiving of the Spirit of God, which we're going to talk about next week, you have to have that experience to be identified with that first century church. And I got great news for you. This church believes in repentance. This church believes in baptism just like this. And this church believes in the power of the Holy Ghost that will set you free from all sin. We're going to talk about that next week. I don't know what other people claim. I know what we know. But I'm telling you right now, we are a Bible-believing bunch. Is there anybody that can testify with me today? There's power in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost is still real in 2022. There's power in the name of Jesus. Stand with me all over this house right now. Who's got a question or a comment? The, the gentlemen are going to get ready to receive your offering here this evening. Amen. Real quick, we'll give it an offering. I know you want to do that. Don't miss that. Hallelujah. Don't miss a blessing. Who's got, 
who's got anything that you want to add to or you got any questions about anything that we've covered, we'll be happy to do that right now. Sister. Oh, mercy. Yeah. So the, she's talking about Renee Frost. Renee, who sits right over here, her husband, she was at church Sunday, David. But but Renee, she went in for a simple surgery, and they found some other things, and they're, they're doing surgery. And she's been in, Amy said, 10 hours. We need to pray for her. Let's do that right now. Father, we pray right now for, for Sister Renee. Let the presence of God come into that room. Guide the hands of those doctors. Let that surgery end, and let it be well, and let it be be good. I pray for great results. God, you're able to do what nobody else can do. You're the great physician. You're the surgeon above all surgeons. Do it in the name of Jesus right now. And everybody in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Go right ahead, brother. Anybody else, any, anything to say? I know, I know there's comments. I know you, I don't, I don't. Yes, brother Ed. Exactly. Exactly. It's the New Testament circumcision. It's exactly. I wouldn't know why anybody wouldn't want to go down to the precious name of Jesus. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. I'm with you 100%. Y'all do know I could preach one God here for a solid hour and never look back. Amen. Because to get that name, that covenant name, you got to believe that one God. Amen. Who else? Anybody got a question, a question, a comment? Man, that's when I when nobody says anything, I do good cuz y'all y'all got everything. Amen. Thank you God bless you. It's great to see all of you. Sunday's going to be a fantastic day. Didn't we have a great move of God here this past Sunday? Great move of God, people coming, brand new people in this altar on Sunday, and God saving brand new people. We're praying that God would do that again this weekend. This weekend is Pentecost Sunday. I'm expecting a Pentecost to happen here Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Lift your hands all over this house. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for enlightening us and keeping us in truth. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for your hand upon us. Open our eyes and open our understanding. Let us see things the way you see them. In Jesus' name we pray and we give you praise and glory. God bless you tonight. Thank you.